Yellow. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Joe and Joe Weather Show on this Tuesday night, the 13th, the 13th of July, 2021. And the Joe and Joe Weather Show brought to you by Wholesale Holiday Lighting by Giannini, your complete holiday lighting specialist, meeting all your decorating needs. Whether it's uh, wanting to decorate your home for Christmas or maybe you want to do this as a business come holiday time, just uh, give them a call. They're at 631-957-5106, 162 Ocean Avenue in Lindenhurst, New York, on Long Island. The website is liholidaylighting.com and brought to you by Omni, Omni True Value Hardware. And they're at 1226 North Wellwood Avenue in West Babylon, New York, also on Long Island. Uh, for the best prices in town on any hardware, mulch, topsoil, or hurricane emergency supplies. 631-756-1125 is their phone number, and the website is omnitruevalue.com. So um, Mr. Marine Layer came in today, and uh, <laughs> Mr., yeah, Mrs. Northeast Wind uh, also came in and uh, kept temperatures uh, from doing very much, if anything, at all. And cloud cover <laughs> all over the place. Let's not forget the fog. <laughs> and the fog, yes. Mr. Fog. Yeah, it, it, uh, the, the, uh, the, the, when I looked at the 12Z map this morning, Joe, <clears throat> the, station, the front stationary... Uh, right across the uh, south of Long Island, across southern Pennsylvania, and then it kind of arced northward up in central PA and up into western New York, which is where all the severe weather is tonight, by the way. Uh, so the risk area, as a result, uh, was um, a little bit too far to the east. At least that seems to be the way it has played out uh, so far today. Yeah, I'm just adjusting my camera. I'm sorry about that. Uh, I'm I'm surprised too. I would have uh, put a, I would have thought that by this time, Joe, we would be seeing some uh, thunderstorm activity, rumbling up in portions of northeastern Pennsylvania, maybe northwestern New Jersey, uh, maybe as far to the east as Sullivan or western Orange County. But it has not happened yet. But there's still that possibility from now till about midnight of seeing that take shape, and um, yeah, it looks like that. Uh, I, I only got to. Um, 70, 72 degrees here in Putnam Valley today, although still a bit on the humid side uh, and uh, a little bit uncomfortable in spite of the lower temperatures. And uh, in the coming days, anything but lower temperatures look like we're going to be seeing a climb upward. And by the time we get to the weekend and early next week, we'll be back flirting probably with the 90 degree mark. Right. We've got um, uh, half a dozen severe thunderstorm warnings uh, right now. Uh Pretty much all of them concentrated in central Pennsylvania. A lot of those echoes, Joe, are moving north, northeast. There's nothing on the radar of consequence as you go to eastern PA and over New Jersey and Long Island. There's a, a little bit of stuff aloft showing up over Chesapeake Bay. I'm not sure what that is. I mean, it may, may just be some ground clutter here that's popping up. But um, the, the, the radars are really kind of playing to the fact that this, you know, off, oftentimes... I, I would say nine times out of ten, if you've got a warm front that's going to be somewhere uh, in uh, along the mid-Atlantic coast of southern New England, the odds of it moving northward on any given day, I would say nine times out of ten, it doesn't make it. Right. Right. And, 
back on Sunday, um, I was questioning about the uh, fact that they had all the uh, thunderstorm activity, the heavy thunderstorm activity, well to the west and north of New York City. And I said, well, based upon the positioning of the front, I think that, quite frankly, we should be seeing uh, activity maybe uh, into our area, maybe not necessarily severe. But as you can see, um, even though the Storm Prediction Center adjusted their forecast and actually brought slight risk of, uh, of severe weather just a stone's throw away to our west, in spite of that update, it looks like the Sunday forecast is uh, more on target because it looks like, again, most of the activity is uh, well away, hours away to the west and north of the immediate tri-state New York City area. Yeah, I don't see how any of that really gets here because it's all, it isn't even moving east. It's moving more north, northeast than anything else. I pulled up the uh, 21Z map and you can see how the WPC has analyzed this uh, with a warm front uh, through central New York, central PA. Uh, it's starting to move northward now. And it is probably going to get through here uh, overnight and into tomorrow morning. And then it's uh, still stationary right along 40 degrees north. But if you look at these temperatures up in New England today, uh, yeah, there was sun in Maine. So that's why the numbers here are higher, temperatures in the middle uh, 70s in much of Maine. But then when you go where there's the overcast, and that's that circle with the filled-in dot, that uh, indicates the observation uh, is for an overcast sky. Uh, you have temperatures that were basically upper 60s and lower 70s. The wind barbs were all east or northeast along the coast, southeast and inland areas, and then head down into the mid-Atlantic states today. And uh, it was, you know, it was very warm to borderline hot. Temperatures in the upper 80s and low 90s, dew points uh, in the lower 70s, uh, typical tropical air all the way up and down the eastern seaboard. Uh, only, by the way, at 5 o'clock, I actually got above 80 today because we had uh, a fair amount of sunshine uh, from uh, mid uh, from late morning to, to uh, mid-afternoon. Now I'm waiting for some thunderstorms that are approaching. Uh, but uh, temperatures, uh, often this time of year, this is a time of year where temperatures uh, you know usually get above 90 here on a daily basis across the Southland. Uh, it's been kind of a struggle uh, to get those temperatures to move up because we've had a lot of days where we've had to deal with at least some cloud cover and uh, some shower and thunderstorm activity recently, uh, but you know that, that uh, this is this is one of the few days, Joe, that you were actually cooler than I was. Believe it or not. Yes, one of the few, one of the few. But as I said, the humidity was high enough so that it felt still a little bit. I'm not going to say muggy, but uh, you know there was a debate going on this morning here at the house. Should we open the windows and turn off the air conditioning for a while? Stepped outside and I said, you know, it, it, the air still feels kind of heavy and a little bit on the moist and a bit humid side. So we just kept the air conditioning going. And, and, and it, it, the air conditioning that we have here in the house is the kind is the central air conditioning. So it's, it, it actually was off more than on much of the day today. It just, you know, cooled us off when it went on for a few minutes and then shut down again for a while. It, it's, it still is not. I mean, I know this is a relief compared to some of the heat that we were dealing with up here over the last week or 10 days. But uh, unfortunately, it looks like uh, once that warm front moves on through, it looks like it's going to be on through here by this time tomorrow. That's going to open the door for another round of uh, oppressive humidity and also very warm to even by the weekend hot conditions 
here in the tri-state area once again. By the way, looking at the nationwide radar, and this is a shot still kind of loading the extra frames here, but this is, uh, well, we'll see what the last frame is when it gets loaded in there. Uh, 714, 722, 26. Okay, so the last frame on this is from 720, uh, 728. So it's uh, 12 minutes ago, and you can... Uh, you know, it's the activity in the eastern part of the United States is a little more scattered in nature than it was uh, over the last couple of days. Uh, you got uh, some solid clusters across uh, southern Louisiana into southeastern Texas and right down in the coastal bend, and also some patches over the state of Florida. Uh, the Rockies and the southwest getting into some uh, heavy showers and storms, so a lot of the areas that were under heat advisories uh, particularly in Arizona, are now under flash flood warnings. Uh, so they're getting some much-needed rain in uh, some of the drought-stricken areas in the southwestern part of the United States. And, and the uh, heat, uh, relatively speaking, uh, has eased a bit. Uh, we don't have as many areas under um, uh, heat advisories or uh, extreme um, excessive heat warnings. Uh, they, uh, the, the number of uh, counties that have those uh, advisories and warnings has diminished somewhat. You can see the flash flood uh, watches that are up through uh, southern and western Arizona. Uh, severe thunderstorm watch uh, is up in central and moved, it extends into eastern Pennsylvania and also into central and western New York. And that watch goes till 11 o'clock uh, eastern time. Uh, we also, uh, at least uh, from the standpoint of what's going on uh, locally uh, in uh, New Jersey, for example, I believe we do have fog advisories up. Oh, how exciting. A dense fog advisory up for uh, counties in central and uh, northwest New Jersey, uh, which is what you'd expect ahead of a warm front uh, going from a marine, a, a, a marine flow to a warm tropical flow. Yeah, that, you know, that's to be expected with the front, as you just mentioned, in the, in the general area, general vicinity. And this uh, east-northeasterly wind pulling in all that moisture from off of the ocean, interacting with the, uh, with the positioning of that front. And again, we're going to have to probably wait until, well, some, some uh, prognoses have this uh, front move, moving through by daybreak tomorrow morning. I, I'd give it actually more like maybe midday or afternoon when it lifts fully north and east of here. And that will set the stage for a noticeably warmer and I think a noticeably more humid day tomorrow. And Joe, tomorrow, the uh, I noticed that the uh, Storm Prediction Center has us in a swath of marginal risk of severe weather. But I'm, I'm not thinking of in terms of any kind of an organized line of showers and storms. I think tomorrow we're just going to be seeing these pop-up storms in the latter part of the afternoon tomorrow into tomorrow evening and it all depends upon where you happen to be whether or not one pops up in your vicinity or whether or not you're in one of those gaps between the pop-ups right and just sees an ominous sky and doesn't get a drop that's that's how tomorrow looks looks like at least to me or you get a cluster that sat over southeast pa yesterday with north philadelphia getting a pne is the uh uh this the uh th three-letter code of that airport in, in uh, north philadelphia getting 10 inches of rain 10 uh, this being described as uh, one of these um, 50 or 100 year events because those types of things don't happen often but every once in a while 
you do get one of these uh, clusters of storms that just sits on one spot. We noticed that yesterday afternoon on the radar. Uh, we don't seem to be seeing the same type of action today, but tomorrow with all this tropical air that we have, uh, wouldn't be a huge shock if uh, somebody wound up with a thunderstorm that put down a quick couple of inches. Uh, and again, the ground is still pretty saturated. We really haven't had any... Um, we haven't had any mechanism to dry things out, and and what'll stop? What, what's going to stop it? If you get a thunderstorm that put, puts down a quick inch or two of rain, you're going to get flash flooding out of it. No question, no question. And the, uh, you know, you look at what we call the perceptible, perceptible water levels, how much uh, moisture the air is holding, and uh, again, kind of like uh, the equivalent of a damp sponge. All you need is uh, a catalyst to squeeze that sponge. And again, uh, we will see, in some cases, some of that uh, in the form of showers and storms tomorrow. And yeah, any given shower or storm, doesn't even have to be a thunderstorm, just a localized shower could drop a considerable amount of rain in a very short overall time. And that will probably be the story, Joe, not just for tomorrow, but any storm threat or any shower threat we have uh, in the coming days will, among other things, bring a, a chance of some localized heavy rain or heavy downpours in a very short interval of time. While we have the, the chance of showers and storms around for later tomorrow into part of tomorrow evening, it looks like the one dry, completely dry day this week will be Thursday. It looks like a sunny to partly cloudy, very warm, rather humid day, but no thunderstorm uh, possibility or shower possibility on Thursday. And then we'll get back into the threat of showery and thundery weather beginning by late Friday or Friday evening and carrying over, it looks like, on into the upcoming weekend. By the way, I'm just kind of looking at the satellite loop here. And, you know, look in eastern Virginia and over Chesapeake Bay. I mentioned that there was some what looked like some stuff aloft anyway showing up on the radar. Uh, maybe that blossoms into something as it moves northward. I'm not seeing any big you know, massive cloud tops developing yet, but we'll keep a, probably keep an eye on this. Uh, the radar was relatively quiet across the mid-Atlantic states this evening, and you can see the, the just you know, scattered clouds and scattered showers and storms pretty much in the east here. Uh, by the way, if you look on the far right, there is uh, a gigantic upper low out in the Atlantic. This thing must go all the way up uh, to 300 and 200 millibars. And we mentioned yesterday how that is something that is not going to be conducive for tropical cyclone development. Uh, as long as that upper low is there, that's probably that's going to create uh, upper air wind shear conditions across the subtropical Atlantic and to a certain extent, even the tropical Atlantic. So you see on the bottom uh, part of that upper low, the clouds are moving from west to east. So uh, that's that's telling you that you have uh, upper air westerlies, which her tropical systems don't like. And, you know, it's so hard to see on this. But if you look on the upper right, southeast of Newfoundland, you can sort of see the edge of what looks like a weak low that the Hurricane Center uh, is, is talking about today, uh, drifting southward and a, a marginal, you know, marginal conditions for tropical cyclone development there. Uh, but they're only rating at it's a 10% chance. And anyway, even if it does do amount to something, it's only going to get kicked out to the northeast anyhow. Uh, also, there's an upper low that's sitting over southern Florida, which is why you're seeing uh, blossoming showers and storms there. Uh, the uh, the clouds, interestingly enough, are kind of turning into anticyclonically, which 
kind of tells you that the upper low is probably weakening uh, quite a bit. Uh, but we'll, I'm going to assume that the convection here is going to eventually just fall apart you know, when it moves into the eastern Gulf of Mexico and, and is not going to uh, amount to much of anything. We're kind of, you know, at least from the standpoint of the tropics, we're in mid-July. Uh, it's not unusual for mid-July to be quiet. And that seems to be where, where we're at at the moment. And I just put up a picture here um, taken by a friend of mine, Mark Rosengarten, from Liberty State Park. Oh, hang on, hang this on. This is earlier in the hang day. Hang on, hang on. Let's, let me, I got to switch here. Hold on a second. So everybody can see. And there you go. So <clears throat> uh, this is from Liberty, Liberty State Park, um, looking obviously toward lower Manhattan, but uh, look at how dramatic that sky is. It is. It, you mentioned the marine layer, Joe. That's pretty much the sky that uh, most of us saw today. Lots of uh, low-hanging clouds. In fact, so low, even reaching down to touch the uh, the transmission tower at One World Trade, and uh, that is a pretty uh, pretty interesting shot that uh, that we have here. Uh, again, taken from uh, Liberty State Park, I believe, in New Jersey, and. Uh, it uh, it pretty much tells you it was kind of a kind of a gloomy day out there across much of uh, much of the tri-state area. Not necessarily from that that vantage point, but right. from where I was and uh, Long Island and Manhattan and everywhere else. And that's also why the temperatures struggle today, just to make it much above the mid and low 70s out there. If you were in southern New Jersey, southern Pennsylvania, and points south, uh, that was uh, a different story because you were south of the warm front and. You got into the warmer air and temperatures uh, made their way up through the 80s. Uh, in the meantime, uh, WPC, uh, the storm, I'm sorry, SPC, the storm prediction center, has, uh, you know, continues with that slight risk area. And they have a severe thunderstorm watch pretty much taking up that entire slight risk area uh, in Pennsylvania and uh, western and central New York. Uh, don't see... Uh, any additional, usually on the little discussions here, sometimes they give you a hint that there's going to put up another watch, but they don't have anything there. Uh, we also have a marginal risk, oh, except for the east coast of Florida, uh, every the rest of the, the, the state, except for the peninsula as well, is under a marginal risk for severe weather. That's that dying upper low that's there. We have a slight to enhanced risk of severe weather up in eastern Wyoming and uh, southwestern South Dakota, northwestern Nebraska, with the slight risk going further east of the marginal risk ex extending up into Minnesota, northwestern Wisconsin. And also where we have flash flood watches up in Arizona, we have this area of marginal risk for severe weather uh, in, uh, in, in that uh, neighborhood. And WPC's seven-day rainfall forecast They've kind of scaled it back here. They were going for really big amounts, and now they've really cut it back considerably, but they're still forecasting anywhere from three-quarters of an inch to an inch and a half uh, in uh, much of uh, central and southern Arizona. But they were they were showing three- to five-inch rainfalls uh, back a couple of days ago, and some areas did get some uh, heavy rain uh, in the last couple of days, but I, 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 it seems like they backed off on some of the big amounts. And also here in the eastern part of the United States, which uh, we know has been you know, very wet uh, in the next seven days, anywhere from a general, anywhere from, from three quarters of an inch to an inch and a half, 
The only exceptions to that are in uh, the middle Mississippi Valley, where you've got some three inch plus amounts being indicated, and also in the upper Mississippi Valley, where we've got some uh, three inch amounts uh, plus being indicated over the next week. Doug Wetzel uh, hitting Super Chat tonight. Thank you, Doug. Also, David Fuller hit Super Chat a little earlier. I forgot to mention David. David, uh, back from his uh, nice uh, trip down to Virginia Beach. Thanks, both of you, uh, for uh, hitting Super Chat tonight, as always. It is greatly appreciated. By the way, Joe, there's the rain. I, I pulled up. Let's see if this map loaded. I was having trouble loading this earlier, so and apparently it it did not load correctly. So let's see the net, the, the uh, rainfall for the last seven days. So this is ending. Uh, no, this is this is wrong. Hang on, let me give this a refresh. I'm not sure why it's only going showing rainfall back to uh, the up up to the 11th of July. It should go to 12Z this morning because I want to look at the rainfall from yesterday. So let's see if this. Uh, this map will update correctly, and it looks like it is. It's going to be as soon as that little gray box disappears. <laughs> oh, good lord! Come on, there we go. So this, there's that area that we talked about earlier in southeastern PA. There we go. I'm trying to get the. There it goes. Yeah, I, I'm just trying to get the state border to show up a little better. There we go. Uh, well, that didn't really help too much, but that right inside that red. Now they measured over 10 inches, so the, the little, the, 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 however they used to calculate this was probably off Doppler. Uh, there's a purple shading in there that's eight inch, uh, six to eight inches. So maybe there's a tiny dot of blue. Uh, which represents 8 to 10 uh, in, in embedded in there someplace. But this was the rainfall from yesterday. And if we uh, go back seven days, which uh, I'll just do a quick click here, we'll see the seven-day rainfall. And uh, there you have it. I mean, it has been uh, wet. Uh, in fact, uh, my understanding is, at least from the standpoint of the numbers in New York City, that uh, if, if it didn't rain for another day for the rest of the month, this would be the seventh, the seventh wettest July on record. So we've got uh, 18 more days uh, to uh, climb up that list of uh, wettest Julys. And, and by the way, you look at the, the, the rain, pretty much a very large portion of the eastern half of the U.S. has gotten at least two inches of rain in the first 13 days of the, of the uh, over the last two weeks, uh, which is what I have up here. The la I'm sorry, the last seven days. This is for the last seven days. Why don't I go back 14 days? Let's just see how uh, how much we got if I go back 14 days. This ought to be interesting. Well, you know, we, we're already, I think, number at Central Park, we're already at uh, number five on the list of all-time wet Julys. I thought it was number, I, 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 I thought I read it was uh, seven. You, you, you say five, I read seven. I, why don't we take an average and say six? six. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> but but the thing is, is that we're only we're not even halfway through the month yet, and here we are already talking about one of the top ten, certainly one of the top ten wettest Julys, and God only knows what we're in for in the final couple of weeks of this month. Although, 
as we alluded to last night, it looks like a change in the overall pattern by the early part of next week as the winds turn more out of a northwest direction. The upper level winds come out of a northwest direction out of Canada, lowering the humidity and quite possibly putting us in a, in a protracted or prolonged spell of dry weather. Isn't that the way sometimes it goes where the first half of the month can be abnormally wet and then the second half could be bone dry or vice versa? Yeah, and maybe, it, just maybe we might be looking at something like that. It's hard to carry a wet or a dry pattern for more than a week, 10 days before there's some kind of a switch. Uh, yeah, it, it is. And, and again, now going back the last 14 days, so this will take us to the last day of June, but you get the idea. It's not going to change very much when we look at this tomorrow. Uh, but, uh, I mean, just about everywhere east of the Mississippi has gotten at least two to three inches of rain so far this month. And, Quite a few areas are sitting at the, the red represents five inches of rain. You've got quite a few areas uh, in uh, in northeast Missouri, across Illinois, Indiana, Kentucky, Ohio, Pennsylvania, New York State, uh, southern and central New England uh, getting a substantial amount of rain here, five five to set, five to eight inches uh, in some places, and there's even a narrow st strike there of ten to fifteen. Uh, across northwest Connecticut to just west of Boston. So, I mean, the rainfall really has been um, front and center uh, in the last two weeks. Uh, we, we, uh, we, we get these, we've gotten these dry stretches, but certainly uh, we're not in one now. That's, that, that's for darn sure. Yes, I'm just, uh, well, I'm, instead of typing it, I'm just going to come right out. John, John Bojemski is asking, would somebody plea on the chat board? Will somebody please ex explain super chat, please? He says that I see a dollar amount but for it, but I can't find the button to initiate it here on my tiny screen. Any suggestions? Um, okay, so I, I have to tell you, I have a different screen up. So I don't know where the dollar sign button is. On my screen, if I wanted to super chat myself, <laughs> it's on the upper right corner. Now, I don't know if you're watching this on your mobile device or if you're watching it on a desktop, uh, but I think the Super Chat button, I mean, I'm guessing it's on the upper right because that's 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 where I have it. Uh, I, I don't... Well, on my, on, my, on my screen, Joe, right below uh, the, uh, the chat board, there are two, count them, two... Uh, icons one is a smiley icon and if i put my right that's cursor on right that's that, if you I want emojis custom emojis and right. then on the, right next to that is a box with a dollar sign it says show your support for joe chiappi i'm not going to press down on it but i'm assuming that if i press down on well it, you never supported me will, uh, you never cared about me anyway <laughs> all you ever wanted was supper on the table no responsibility that's the super chat button, folks. And, just, and Robert Russo I'm hit. I'm just assuming that's the super chat. That's it. And Robert Russo hit uh, super chat also. Thank you, Robert, uh, most very much. How's it going? He asked. Uh, it's actually going quite well. Thank you so much. And we appreciate, See, now, by the way, have, uh, those of you who have hit the super chat button um, over over, now, what I was over gonna, the time that you've spent with say, us. Joe, what I was going to say, Joe, to demonstrate to John Bojemski how this works we have 92 people who are watching right now. So if right at this moment, all 92 of you <laughs> hit that dollar button and then put like a figure like $5 in there. Are you doing a soupy sales here? Are, are you doing a super sales? Well, no, I'm not saying, I'm not asking, 
I'm not asking the people on the chat board to go into their parents' back pocket on New Year's Eve and pull out pictures of the presidents and send it send it to us. Yeah, but you are asking the guys on the board to go into their wives' pocketbooks and get their credit cards. No, no. Well, I'm just what I'm doing is I'm just saying now, if you all of you would just hit that button and then put a figure in there, and it could be five, it could be ten dollars, I don't care. And you know, when you when you go through all of that, you can demonstrate to John quite beautifully how this whole thing works. Yeah, God. Well, before we turn this show into a telethon, uh, Steve LaPointe hitting Super Chat, and Johnny Quest also hitting Super Chat. Thank you so much, Johnny. And I apologize, I haven't had a chance to go back to your question, but let's see if Joe Rayo could help you with this. I, I can help you somewhat with this. Um, why there is very little lightning and thunder in a, in a hurricane. I never I never took note. I, I just assumed that in the... In the ring uh, surrounding the eye of the storm, the so-called Colosseum of Clouds, if you will, I just assumed that uh, that Colosseum of Clouds were convective clouds with lots of thunder and lots of lightning. I don't, where, did, where, did, where did the uh, piece of info come up? Well, I will tell you this. You know, one of the things that, that I, I remember talking with the, uh, the guys when the hurricane hunters were at MacArthur Airport a, a, uh, a couple of, of years ago, uh, that uh, when when they see a lot of lightning, it's usually at the point where the storm is is um, in in the intensification phase when they start seeing a lot of lightning. And when they see that lightning subside, uh, it, it could be a sign that the storm has peaked out or uh, or or going into some kind of weakening phase. I'm gonna just well, kind of like the equivalent of a kind of like the equivalent of let's say a storm maturing, uh, you know, reaching mature stage, and then you get the occluded front coming in to have it weaken. Right. Well, here, here's case, here's Google's here's Google's answer. By the way, normally hurricanes do not have lightning and thunder, because lightning and thunder are formed by vertical winds that cause water and ice to rub together. So hurricanes do not normally form lightning because the vertical wind churning does not often happen. And, and, and when you think about it, the wind churning that they're, the vertical wind churning that they're referring to is wind shear. Okay. Now, if you've got wind shear going on in a tropical system, that's usually not, that wind shear is not conducive for tropical cyclone uh, development. Uh, too much shear causes these storms to, um, to, to fall apart. So that, that seems to be a reasonable explanation. I, I, I can, you know, Having been in, in tropical system, in tropical systems myself down in the Gulf states and then the ones that I've, I've experienced, you know, thinking of the ones that, that have affected Long Island in my time there, uh, I don't recall, but particularly the one in the Gulf, uh, along the Gulf states when I was in Louisiana, because we had several of them uh, while I was there, uh, I don't ever recall seeing any lightning uh, uh, or, or I did, we did, I do remember hearing thunder from a squall that ran way ahead of the tropical of, of the actual tropical cyclone. Uh, but the explanation that I'm seeing here in terms of uh, why you don't see uh, thunderstorms, uh, lightning and thunder and thunderstorms, uh, because of the fact that the vertical winds, uh, the, the lack of wind shear uh, is part of the, is, is probably the, the, uh, the, the reason. So I'll, I, I, I'll dig into it a little bit more, uh, uh, Johnny, but that's that's the initial explanation uh, from all of this. 
and you know, in thinking about it, some of the uh, tropical systems that I, you know, and I, I know you too have been involved with, Joe, uh, uh, Bell in 1976, Gloria in 1985, Bob in 91, uh, lots of squally rains and winds associated with those systems. They passed where we happen to be, close by to where we were. Don't remember anything about cracks of uh, thunder or seeing any lightning involved with any of those storms. And you would expect, you know, those those systems to at least generate some of that. Of course, we always see how uh, the uh, National Hurricane Center ahead of such systems will put up tornado uh, watches because right. some of the storms may uh, uh, reach superstell status and uh, develop rotation and spin off a few funnel clouds and tornadoes. But, you know, I'm thinking about it. I don't remember in any of those big tropical cyclone systems that pass through our neck of the woods ever ever seeing uh, or hearing any lightning or thunder. By the way, uh, Steve LaPointe hitting Super Chat, Johnny Quest hitting Super Chat, Christinopedia hitting Super Chat uh, tonight. What did uh, I start? I know. No, you didn't have well, to take I, me literally. No, I know. And Jason Schaefer also <laughs> hitting Super Chat. Thank you very much. Bill Kennedy says, begging for money like the Catholic Church. Yeah, but we, we, we but we don't give but we don't bill we don't give communion or a blessing here. So no, no. What I'm saying, what I all I was doing innocently enough, he's said, trying to get people to th tithe. Is what you were doing? Is trying? No, I mean trying to trying to assist Mr. Bojemski in uh, in uh, you know learning how to hit the super chat button or learning how to submit a super chat contribution. And I said, well, we have so many great people on the chat board who knows how to do that. And I thought that by way of demonstration that they could show him right. how easy it is to get the super chat. But look, and you didn't have to hit it for $10 or $5. You could hit it for one cent for, for all I care. Listen, if we play our cards right, we could each get a new car out of this. Uh, uh, <laughs> Scott, Scott Briller just hitting super chat. More importantly, uh, <clears throat> Uh, Mother Briller was able to um, to walk downstairs for the first time in three weeks and went outside. Amen, amen. Get her skates ready. Get her skateboard ready. Let's even forget the skates. Let's get her on a skateboard. Um, still needs to get MRI to see what's causing the pains. I mean, wish you, yeah, you, know, you know, I'm kidding, Scott, but we uh, do wish you and uh, Mother Briller, who I know watches this show, uh, she <clears throat> uh, she listens to every word we say. Um, we we are we're happy to to hear that you were able to get outside today. So keep moving, girl. Keep moving. Frank Riccio, Wayne Stuckert, all hitting super chat. Thank you, everybody tonight. God, Joe. Now Robert Brown is hitting on my yo. Robert Brown on the chat board is hitting on my wife. Uh, <laughs> kind of funny. No, she's saying. He's, he's saying, Mrs. Rayo, may I borrow $5 to give to Joe and Joe? I'll gladly pay you. He's got two seconds. I was waiting for somebody That's to use it. I was waiting for who was going to use the wimpy line. <laughs> and meanwhile, the person who started all this, or the person who I... You! You go back to. No, I mean me as a result of a post by John Bojemski. Now, John Bojemski says, how about a nice old-fashioned low-tech solution to my super chat or donation problem, a USPS post office box that I could manage. But we don't have All a right. post office um, box. Do no. We? Um, post office box eleven thirty one Radio City. Oh Jesus! <laughs> I actually, 
someone else asked, uh, Mirtha Gunter you know, watches the show from time to time. If you look on the, uh, I almost hate saying this, but <clears throat> there is a P.O. box that I put up there. If you go back on one of the videos from the last couple of days in, in, the, in, the, uh, in the comment section, you'll find a, a P.O. box, John. So I'm going to, that's to help those of you who would like to give. And, and we do appreciate it. This is how Joe and I earn our living. So, you know, such as it is, uh, you know, our living this, these days. Well, uh, but anyway, it's there. I'm not going to say it. If you want it, go go to the go to the video. I think from yesterday or the day before, and um, it's in the it's in the comments section. Uh, okay, Robert Russo hitting super chat again. Thank you, Robert, very much. Let's uh, let's go to do some weather, okay? Uh, and let's bring up the upper air. Oh, good lord! There's the upper air, and this is. Yesterday's model guidance, uh, where uh, we were looking at the long range, so now I'm just bringing up the latest run of the GFS, or as Bill Goodman calls it, the Goofus model. Uh, so here we go. Uh, two ridges on both coasts. Uh, here we are Tuesday evening. The western ridge is flattening, so that's good news because that causes the, uh, uh, the uh, heat wave to diminish. And yes, Bill Rogers, this is a strange show tonight for some reason. Uh, you got the ridge in the east. You can see that the uh, edge of the upper low, by the way, on the lower right. Uh, meanwhile, the westerlies in Canada, the upper air winds in Canada, very slowly, we're, kind of, we're on the edge of those westerlies. That's oftentimes how we can see uh, our, our temperatures go above 90 if we get that flow, the, the flow from Canada to lie just to our north. Now, we watched the models yesterday drop a trough into the eastern part of the United States. It's still doing that over the weekend. Uh, this it's still trying to form some kind of cutoff low, Joe, in uh, in uh, Pennsylvania. This is what it looked like uh, yesterday. So let's see what it looks like today, as I switch over. And in, instead, now uh, it's uh, part of the trough pulls down into the northeast, but the the uh, part that breaks away and forms a cutoff actually forms a cutoff back in Missouri. I mean. You go from having an upper low in Pennsylvania and worried about it raining for three or four days in a row. Now uh, it takes that trough in the east and just kind of moseys it through and makes an upper low back in Missouri. Now next week, those uh, upper air northwesterly winds may get down almost into northern Virginia. So that gives us some hope that we could get a humidity break here for at least a couple of days early next week. In the west, meanwhile, the upper high begins to rebuild. Uh, back over Utah, and you're going to start to probably, that's correct, we're going to see heat shifting uh, northward into uh, the uh, uh, in, in, in the western part of the United States, into Utah, Wyoming, Montana, uh, Colorado will be on the edge of that heat, and then ultimately that upper high kind of pivots around into the Dakotas. Meanwhile, Joe, look at the east here. Uh, it looks like we have another trough that comes down later next week. Uh, into the northeast, and those westerlies get, uh, you know, you have northwest winds in the upper atmosphere all the way down into South Carolina. Uh, this is actually quite promising for some nice relief uh, coming down the road after this week is done. Right. Well, as, uh, as I told you, not this weekend, but next weekend, we're going through the uh, our uh, son's uh, wedding, uh, which was last, was supposed to be last year, and it was last year. We had a very small 
only about 10 or 11 people who attended the the nuptials did not go to the catering hall for the big celebration afterward. But now we're going to reenact the wedding, have a uh, hopefully have a lovely get together um, uh, a week from Sunday. And the last thing you'd want to have with a situation like this is either hot, hazy, sticky, humid weather or the threat of hours and scattered thunderstorms or any number of different uh, unsettled weather patterns. Uh, so you're right. To see the, uh, the the upper flow go out of or come out of the northwest, out of Canada, which usually delivers a less humid, drier airflow, uh, starting early next week and then becoming reinforced, it looks like, later on in the week next week, uh, that's that's good news. That's That would be very, very nice. And uh, as I said just about five, five or ten minutes earlier, the first half of this month was so very humid, so very wet, and now... Hopefully, as we move into the second half of the month, we'll see just the opposite uh, of that. And maybe a few of those nice, dry, pleasant days that we had a couple of weeks ago where we had, for goodness sake, under the 40s, even the upper 30s. I'll go for that. Yeah. If, uh, that be the case no, for uh, later on in the month. Noticing a couple of things. Uh, I'm just seeing here someone. Where was it? Is that a troll? Oh, uh, uh, Ms. Uh, Cephalorite. I'm sorry. Um, is that a trough, uh, Zim? Uh, is that a trough trying to develop in the Pacific Northwest? Actually, it, there is. Uh, it looks like some troughing off the Pacific Northwest coast. Uh, looks like it's trying to move uh, toward the coast at the end of this week. Uh, I guess that's in response to that upper ridge kind of flattening out a bit. Also, the one thing I did notice that while we're getting into those westerlies here, a pretty strong upper high in the long range builds in the southeast. Uh, so uh, if this is correct, maybe those days I've been saying how I haven't seen any 90 degree days. Well, if we get uh, something like this setting up where you got this, you know, big upper high uh, building over northern Mississippi and Arkansas and actually getting stronger as we move through next weekend and beyond, not the one coming up now, but next weekend and beyond, uh, that would at least suggest that there could be some hot weather. Uh, in the southeast uh, and take temperatures up into the 90s, which we really haven't seen very much of. But this northwest flow is uh, rather promising if that verifies, uh, if that winds up uh, materializing later next week and, and beyond. So we obviously keep our eyes on that. And looking at the uh, GFS from the standpoint of what it looks like on the surface here, and let's see, I got the right date and time. So this is the old 12Z run. Um, I might as well just stick with this uh, because I got most, well, too late. Now it's reloading after I had it all loaded and decided to reload. So I might as well load up the 18Z. Okay, uh, let's let's do that. And we'll take a look at the, uh, the 18Z. Uh, Bill Kennedy, you're asking about the first week in August in the Carolinas. It's a little bit too far out for that. Uh, you know, maybe a week from today, we can give it a, a very early look. How's that? Okay, so, tomorrow, of course, a warm front goes by because the winds tomorrow should be more southwest. You can see the GFS picks up on some thunderstorms in eastern Pennsylvania and upstate New York tomorrow afternoon, and then they're gone by zero Z. Uh, Thursday, I think Joe's right. In fact, there's very little in terms of shower and thunderstorm activity going on. Uh, up and down the eastern seaboard and back almost to the Mississippi River, except around the Great Lakes uh, for Thursday. 
And maybe even Friday, Joe, yeah, maybe some pop-ups late Friday, but in terms of widespread activity, doesn't look like we're going to see anything even on much, much on Friday. Saturday might be the day when a front goes by. And let's assume that, that the GFS, or, or I'm sorry, let me just say that the front attempts to go by. It may have to wait for Sunday for that trough to finally swing around. Uh, and then after that, you got that high that's sitting up there in Minnesota, uh, that looks to, to uh, build in slowly during next week. And if, again, if the models are correct, where we get this sort of strengthening northwest flow out of Canada, uh, that will bode well for eventually bringing humidity levels down, maybe for the latter part of uh, next week. GFS can't seem to make up its mind uh, whether it wants to bring drier air early in the week or later in the week, at least from the last several runs. So let's just sort of give it a general the view here of what might happen and uh, we'll put it in you know we'll put it into better context as we get uh, a bit closer and by the way just to quickly take a look at the uh, at the tropics uh, let's see um, okay so here's the upper air I just want to kind of get an idea let's let me get the Atlantic view that's usually a better one when looking at the tropics the models, you know, the GFS has been pretty quiet. It's not really picking up on on much. Uh, I'm, I'm seeing, you know, strong Bermuda-ish high in the middle of the Atlantic. It's probably, it's fairly typical in the long range. Yeah, doesn't look like, I mean, the, the, the model's not developing anything. So at least from the standpoint of the 500, but you can see here on, on this on this view, from looking at the Atlantic, Joe, and I know we're deep into the long range, so we know it's going to be different here. But I mean, that's a nice looking trough uh, dropping down the eastern seaboard, uh, you know, toward during the last week of the month of July. Well, yeah, and uh, that would certainly deliver. Um, maybe not necessarily a cool air mass, but certainly a much lower uh, dew point and uh, lower humidities, which would make for whatever we have out there much more comfortable as opposed to even a day like today where, again, it was in the mid and low 70s, but it was still uh, rather humid conditions out there uh, during the course of the day. And again, in spite of the fact that the temperatures took a noticeable drop over the last few days, and uh, you say to yourself, well, 70s, that certainly is comfortable. Well, maybe it is, but with um, moderate uh, to high levels of humidity, it still can feel a bit uncomfortable. By the way, um, on our chat board, we have Ms. Spallerite. Spallerite. And I, I just, at, out, of, out of curiosity, I did, a, I did a Wikipedia check, and Joe, Spallerite is actually a mineral. Yeah, I kind of thought. of zinc. When the, when the iron content is high, Spallerite is an opaque black variety called mammalite, and it was discovered in 1847 by Ernest Frederick Glocker, who named it based on the Greek word spalleros, <laughs> meaning deceiving, due to spallerite being hard to identify. It's also called zinc blend, blend, blackjack, and mock lead. And spallerite crystals are usually shaped like triangular pyramids with three sides and a base. So... There you go, and uh, I salute you, Ms. Spallerite. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do a little super chat here. I know the 
the chairman sent you some stuff. Yeah, let's. No, 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 no. We we don't do more super chat, Joe. We've already had more than enough. You just no, no. Oh, I'm sorry. I meant Briller Jeopardy. Okay, I'm sorry. The chairman. I'm, <laughs> you see what you got me doing here? <laughs> this has got to be one of the strangest shows right. we've ever done. Okay. Um. Yeah. So let's do a little Briller Jeopardy here. Yes. Yes. Briller Jeopardy tonight. If I could find it. Hang on. All right, here we go. Here is another special edition of Briller Jeopardy for Mr. Chiaffi. Top 10 movie debuts. All movies are on Turner Classic Movies. This should help, Joe. Same rules. Get 8 out of 10 within three years of a movie debut, and you win a 25% ownership of Turner Classic Movies. Nice. Have we talked to Ted Turner about that? All right, here we go. The movie number one, again, you have to guess the debut of these movies. Movie number one is Fresney, or Frenzy. Frenzy. Fresney. Alfred Frenzy. Hitchcock's Frenzy. Frenzy. That's yes. a bizarre, that that's an interesting movie because that 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 that, that uh, focuses on a serial killer. I'm going to say because I know it's also one of his late movies. So I'm just trying to think if that came after. The um, Torn Curtain with Julie Andrews and Paul Newman. So I'll say 1967. Wow. You know what, Joe? Isn't it often that you lead off with such a such an answer so far off the board? For Frenzy? 1970. Yeah. So was, it, or was it later? 1970. I, I, I know it was one of his... 72. I, you know what? I... I I know it was one of his one of one of his uh, last movies, and, and then yes. I think Family Plot came after that. I right, saw so I was off, but I re I know the movie, but I was off. It's not one of his better movies, by the way. Right. If you had gotten it right on the nose, though, it would have been one of his one of his best. Yeah. <laughs> a A Clockwork Orange is the number two movie Ooh. on the list here. I've only seen that movie once, and I. I, I don't remember it very well. I may want to look at that again. Oh, God. Yeah, I, you know, Joe, I, I'm not sure. I'm going to say 66. Well, another one that you were I'm way batting, I'm batting a thousand today. I'm, I'm, getting them, I'm, I'm, I'm getting them off. 1971. 71. You can see what happens as, as we get past 1960, things start to fade, because I, I know less about movies after 1960 than before. Well, then you'll be, you'll be happy to know that the majority of the... In fact, let me see. All of the rest of these movies are in your wheelhouse, so to speak. Here's number three, Johnny Guitar. Oh, my God, that is the campiest movie uh, Joan Crawford, Mercedes McCambridge. Uh, it is, it is, um, it's one of these movies, Joe, that is so bad, it's good. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say 1954. Right on the nose. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. You, you truly are living in the past here. Yes. <laughs> Now, if you haven't seen, listen, if you haven't seen Johnny Ruben Fairchild making a comment about this, yeah, he's not, he has, who knows where he is. 
if you haven't seen Johnny Guitar, see it. Get just get a get a pop pop some popcorn, and <clears throat> just do not take the movie. It's I guess I as I'm describing it, it's so it's so bad it's good, and there are so many laughable scenes, because I guess the best way to put it in this put it is 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 that the the the. Uh, never mind. I'm going to get in trouble if I say something. So never mind. Just if, if you haven't seen the movie, see the movie and get a good laugh. Okay. Number four. Number four on this wonderful list compiled by the chairman is Rope. Okay. So that was Alfred Hitchcock's first. If you've seen if you've seen Rear Window and you want to see an early version of the filming technique that he used for Rear Window, that was in Rope. And I'm going to say 1952. Well, you're just just outside of the limits set by Mr. Brillo. I, I originally was 48. 48. 48, yes. yeah. I was going to say 51, and then I said, let me jump to 52. But that that is, um, that's a great example. You know, that's... That, that technique of shooting one scene in one room on one camera, basically shooting it like a play, uh, is in rope. And then you see it later in rear window. How about number five, Suspicion? Suspicion? So that was with Suspicion. Jo uh, Cary Grant and Joan Fontaine. Joan Fontaine won Best Actress for that. Uh, so I will say 1941. On the nose, 1941. How about number six, which is Blackboard Jungle? Ooh, Blackboard Jungle. Uh, uh, Glenn Ford, Sandy Dennis. I once read. Uh, I have this book of uh, of of, uh, of the greatest insults, and somebody said that uh, Sandy De Dennis uh, is the only actress who make a, to, who made a successful career out of post-nasal drip. <laughs> uh, I've seen the movie. I'm trying to recall the year. Blackboard Jungle. Well, I don't know about that, Joe. I I'm going to say... Oh, God. See the late 50s or early 60s. I'm going to get this one wrong. I know I'm going to get this one wrong. So I'm going to say 19... Um, maybe Sidney Poitier, Poitier wasn't in the movie. Um, I don't remember. I'll say 50, 59. 1955, but you said that, uh, you know, um, Sandy Dennis was in this movie? Oh, no, then I'm thinking of another movie then. I mean, Blackboard yeah, Jungle... Sandy Dennis is first... Blackboard Jungle is with Glenn Ford, correct? I'm not sure, but what I'm just saying with Sandy Dennis is her first film was in 1961, and that was the uh, the, the movie uh, uh, Splendor in the Grand. I, I may be mixing it up because there's a movie that I think there's a movie that uh, was was done in the 60s with Sidney Poitier and Sandy Dennis is in it, and their school teachers. I believe, you know, I, I'm mixing it up. Never mind. Go to the next one. It's not on my list of favorite Blackboard. movies anyway. 
Blackboard Jungle had Glenn Ford. Right. Sidney Poitier. Okay, I got that right. Vic then. Morrow. Vic Morrow. Vic Morrow, who made his end, by the way, filming uh, the Twilight Zone movie. Right. Uh, Anne Francis, Louis, Louis uh, uh, Cahern, Calhern. Right. Margaret Hayes, John Hoyt, and blah, 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 blah. Okay, so Sandy Dennis is um, thinking of another movie that she did where she was a school teacher. Okay. Um, with a gang. <laughs> Number seven, Pride and Prejudice. Greer Garson and Laurence Olivier. Uh, I'll say 1940. And you are right on the nose. So, it's, it's amazing to me that you that you get that so far today, you've either gotten them right on the money uh, right or the way nose, off, yeah, or or way off, yeah. You know? It's kind of kind of a, all right. So now number eight, number eight, Joe, the Falcon strikes back. Oh God, I don't know that I've ever seen that. The Falcon Strikes Back? Yes. I, I need help here. Who's in the movie? He I, doesn't say. I don't think I've ever seen it. I, I can't. First of all, just going back to Sandy Dennis one more time, she did appear in a movie in 1967, Up the Down Staircase. That's the one I'm mixing in. Yes, Up, up the Down Staircase. Yes. She was a school teacher in that. So, right. And as far as the, the Falcon Strikes Back, now we didn't we didn't yet do a, a year for that. No. The Falcon Strikes Strikes Back, and according to what I'm able to bring up here about that, Okie AG says uh, I didn't know it struck the first time. I I didn't either. To tell you the truth, <laughs> it is a uh, crime film directed by Edward Dimrick, and stars Tom, Tom Conway as the title character. The amateur sleuth, the Falcon. You know what? The Falcon was actually a radio show. There was a there was a show on old time radio in the forties called The Falcon, and it wasn't unusual for some popular radio shows to translate into a movie. Right. This apparently was one of the one of those cases. Supporting roles are are filed by Harriet Hilliard. That's that's Ozzy Ozzy Nelson's wife. Okay. Harriet Hilliard. So then, Jane Randolph, Edgar, Edgar Kennedy, with Cliff Edwards filling in, filling in for Cliff Edwards filled in for Alan Jenkins. Alan Jenkins was um, Officer Dibble, yes. the voice of Officer Dibble on on Top Cat. All right, so I'll say 1944. Uh, 1943. Whoa! One by one. <laughs> for a movie I've never seen, I took a good guess to, based on the actors you told me. 19 okay, 1943. Yeah. All right, go ahead. What's left? Two more left. The Long Hot Summer. The Long Hot Summer. Tennessee Sounds Williams. Like Another bizarre... Ten out in uh, the western United States. All right, Tennessee <laughs> Williams, Paul Newman. Hmm. Nineteen. 58? 1958, Joe. Oh, God. I, that was a lucky That's guess. amazing. That was a lucky guess. And finally, number 10, the last one. And the last one for tonight is A Place in the Sun. 
A Place in the Sun. That was with uh, Montgomery Cliff, Shelley Winters, Elizabeth Taylor. Raymond Burr is in that movie. He plays a prosecutor. Um, and uh, and he, I, I think he could have gotten a, a supporting actor nomination for that, for his role as the prosecutor. Uh, 1951. Once again, right on the nose. That's a that's a very that's a very good movie. It's a sad movie in a lot of respects, but it's a very good movie. Well, there you go. You so, did pretty good. I, didn't, <clears throat> didn't didn't get enough didn't get enough to get the uh, the uh, lifetime uh, you know twelve to twenty five percent part of uh, Turner Classic Movies, but still, I think very good considering you got a number of them. Right on the nose. the nose, including one I've never seen. <laughs> all right, uh, all right. Let's put an end to this. Uh, thank you very much uh, tonight for all of you that hit super chat tonight, and thank you very much indeed. Uh, Joe and I appreciate it greatly, and it wasn't meant to evolve into a telethon, but trust me, this this it really wasn't. Uh, but thank you just the same. And uh, we will be back tomorrow at tomorrow night is at eight thirty Eastern time. So Joe's got yes. uh, another library thing to do. So we'll see you tomorrow at eight thirty. Okie doke. We'll be here. All right. Nighty night, everybody. Oh, and Chuck Cardillo. Yeah, Vic Morrow did play in combat, and then he was killed in that movie while they were filming. Just uh, no, it was, he was killed in, in the I think in the Twilight Zone. Oh, or was it combat? No, I thought it was. Was it combat? What? Which one? I thought he was. In, I thought he was in the Twilight Zone movie, and it was a helicopter. Oh, maybe it was, I, I, that sounds. That's that does sound familiar. That does sound yeah. familiar. Um, we'll have to look it up. All right, nighty night, everybody. Before we get into more trouble, good night. Good night. <laughs>